Let's go out to the phones right now. We're going to talk to Steve Mims of the Eugene Register Guard. And, Steve, thanks for joining us, first of all. And uh, what do we make from the 35-point blowout loss that the Ducks just suffered at the hands of the Cardinal? Yeah, it was ugly. And, you know, the other problem was it came after. You mentioned they got the split. But, you know, I mean, they didn't play well against Cal. I mean, uh, basically probably 10 teams in the Pac-12 beat Oregon that night. And um, so they, they didn't feel well about that performance. They kind of survived that one. And then to go and just get drilled by Stanford, it was, it was the worst defeat of Dan Altman's career. It was just sort of, you know, they Stanford went up by, you know, 16 at the half and then just pulled away from there. It just wasn't real competitive. That's the first time that we've seen anything like that with this team this year. I mean, there have been some games they lost and this and that, but th- this is the first time where it just felt like they just kind of got the doors blown off, and, and that's been pretty rare under this in, under this coaching staff, obviously. So it, it bears to see. You know, last year's team, you might have thought, hey, they can kind of shake that off, but this year's team hasn't really been through anything like this and hasn't had the success last year. So it'll bear to see if this thing, you know, if that loss carries over. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it didn't necessarily feel like this team was due for a collapse like that. Did it, didn't it feel like their stock was kind of on the rise and this might be the second half surge we were wanting to see out of them with that win streak going and a, a Stanford team that had dropped a few games before beating Oregon State? It, it seemed to me it was hard to expect a collapse like that game. I agree with you. You know, they, they've had a lot of trouble in the Bay Area under past, you know, under Ernie Kent. They lost at one point like 20 out of 21, but they had swept that trip two of the last three years under Altman. So it hadn't been quite the, you know, the, the scary trip that it had been in past years for Oregon. So it was a surprise. And it was, you know, it was a Saturday afternoon. There wasn't much of a crowd. I think there was 5,000 people in the loss. So it wasn't like, you know, Arizona a couple of years ago when they got drilled in front of a, a large, raucous crowd. It, it was kind of a quiet afternoon crowd that just built up and, and, yeah, I mean, it did, like I say, the, the Cal game wasn't good. So some of it came after that that, you know, they didn't exactly come in there with a whole lot of momentum, even though they'd won. And then, um, you know, they just said, and it was in so many ways. I mean, it was Reed Travis inside, was able to do a lot, and Michael Humphrey inside. Then their freshman, like Paula, was able to drive a bunch on the Ducks. And then Dorian Pickens hit threes. It was sort of, there wasn't like one thing you look at and say, hey, if they had done this different, it, Stanford just kind of did it in every single way against them. Yeah, could have been that perfect game for Stanford, too. Like, everything going in their favor. Uh, certainly a little bit of both when you win by 35 points. Steve Mims of the Eugene Register Guard joining us. Find him on Twitter at Steve Mims underscore RG. All right, Steve, in terms of expectations for this team moving forward, you can kind of throw out uh, any at-large hopes out the window. Their uh, tourney bid would have to come through a Pac-12 tournament title uh, is seems. So, with that said, what's kind of the Ducks' motivation and focus for the final eight games or so of the regular season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in a large bid is probably seven wins at this point, and that includes, you know, I mean, they've got Washington twice and, and Arizona, Arizona State at home, so there's not, I mean, there's some opportunities for decent wins there against teams that are going to be in the tournament, but it's hard right now to sit there, you know, you could say, hey, if they can win seven of eight or if they can win those four big games, but it's just hard from their body of work to expect them to do that. So I do think you're probably looking at right now, I mean, the way this conference has played out, 11 and seven might be the four seed in the Pac-12 tournament, which is a first round bye. And if, as we expect, their tournament hopes are going to come down to the Pac-12 tournament. They probably need that first round bye. So I think right now the goal is if you can get to 11 and seven, which I say would be six and two, which, which doesn't look real likely right now, but if they could do that, and get to there and then have a first-round buy, then maybe you got a chance. But but that's probably the, the goal right now at this point is probably to try to get in that top four of the conference. At the point of the season now where we've got a pretty good sample size and feel for 
how good the players on this roster are. So I want to ask you, uh, who has been the most surprising player that you've seen on the Ducks team this year? And then who has been, uh, you know, it's tough to call call them disappointing. They are college kids. But who has been the most disappointing player in terms of expectations this year? But let's start with the most impressive to you in terms of expectation. Who has caught your eye as part of the Oregon roster so far? You know, it's a hard question because nobody's been really consistent. You know, I mean, you look at, you know, Peyton Pritchard had, had been kind of leading the same thing, but he had five points in each of the games in the Bay Area, and, and Paul White scored well, but he hasn't done the rebounding that I think you want from a 6'9 guy, and there was a time when Kenny Wooten really got it going, but he struggled in, in Pac-12 play. So it, it's just been hard to, and Troy Brown, you know, the five-star has had some moments, but certainly hasn't you know, strung together a bunch of games. So there's not really a guy you can look at in this roster and say, well, wow, this guy's kind of leading the way, and you know some others are falling behind. They just they haven't had a guy that they can depend on every you know, and you know it's unfair to look back at last year. But, but you know when you look at the Dylan Brooks or, or what Dorsey did at the end, there just hasn't been a guy that can carry this team to wins or, or carry them for five or six games in a row. It's just it seems like if somebody has a big game, there might be two or three in a row, but then there's a drop off, and they just I mean I don't think this team right now has an all Pac-12 player. You know if you look at it that way, so. It's just there, there just hasn't been anyone that, that's kind of strung it together and kind of carried this team along. About Troy Brown, I know the expectation for him was probably to be a one-and-done. Do you think he's done enough this year to still warrant that kind of conversation, or do you think uh, from what you've seen of him so far, would it be in his best interest to return as a sophomore? You know, it depends on where they have him. I mean, I, mean, I think he's going to declare and, and go through it and see. And, and I saw Sports Illustrated this week still had him as the number 14 pick. If if that, you know, and the comment on that was that basically pro scouts just look into your potential rather than your college season. If, if he feels like he's a top 20 pick, I, I think he's gone for sure. And it sounds like there's some people who think he is, but I, I think he does. You know, two years ago, we saw Dorsey and Brooks declare for the draft and come back. So you can do that. I, I think he declares and goes get the idea. If he's a first round pick, he's probably gone. If he's not, I think he comes back and, you know, and he knows it'd be a pretty good team next year. So. I think there's a possibility, but I mean, I think if you look at the numbers, you'd say he's definitely come back for another year. But, but it seems like his pro stock's still high enough that he'll at least take a look. You mentioned uh, Sports Illustrated mock drafts. I just pulled up the NBA.com mock draft that came out about a week ago, and uh, we'll use this to segue into my next question. But it's got Troy Brown going 30th to Golden State, um, which is interesting. Uh, Steve, you also wrote a piece uh, over the weekend on catching up with Jordan Bell, talking about Ducks that have impressed in Eugene and have made their way to Golden State. Jordan Bell, maximizing himself right now as a uh, as a pro, What 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 is his attitude like in his first season in the NBA? What were some of the takeaways you had from conversing with him? Well, it's you know, he's kind of living that rock star lifestyle right now. I mean, when you've got that Golden State team, and he's talking about, you know, every hotel you show up at, you get off the bus and there's, a line too deep of autograph seekers and you know when you're it's kind of like the traveling circus and you're there with with curry and and durant and that group it's it's, it's pretty interesting so he's enjoying it you know he he felt snubbed he thought he was going to be a first round pick he felt snubbed that he wasn't and then you know he had the added motivation when chicago basically sold the pick you know they drafted him and then sold him to golden state so he's certainly i think making some teams realize you know what he's done it hasn't been huge numbers because nothing he was only averaging 14 minutes for them when he was playing before he got hurt but I think we've seen that the Golden State was probably the perfect spot for him. I mean, that's a place where you can go get a kind of a long athletic guy to come in and give you 14, 15 minutes. He's not being asked to score a whole lot. He's just kind of, you know, it's kind of like at Oregon. You know, they, they, he averaged no more than I think 10 points a game was his high there. But it was rebounds, it was blocked shots. And, and a team like Golden State, they can send in there for a few minutes to do that. So 
it's been kind of the perfect spot for him, and, and he said he feels like it's, you know, he's forgotten that whole first-round thing. Now it's just kind of doing what you do there. And if you want to read that piece, uh, check out at uh, Steve Mims underscore RG. Uh, and he's got it tweeted up there as well. Uh, Steve, before I ask you about the football side of things and uh, National Signing Day that was today, how do you see this matchup with the Huskies coming up on Thursday night, a Washington team that is riding a pretty emotional high after getting home wins over ASU in Arizona, the latter of which came at the buzzer in one of the more iconic moments of the college basketball season? Yeah, you know, Washington for a long time looked like kind of the feel-good story, but now it's, I mean, they're projected in the NCAA tournament by the I mean, I think Jerry Palm's got them as a seven seed. I mean, they're seven and three in the conference. They've got a huge non-conference win over Kansas. They've got a win now over Arizona. So those are the kind of things that, that everybody needs is a couple of marquee wins. They've got that. So it'll be interesting. You know, they – and they've also – you know, the, the thing that Oregon struggled with in their recent losses, you know, they – Reed Travis kind of bowled them over for Stanford, DeAndre Ayton, obviously, for, for Arizona. And then when they lost USC, both Metu and, and Boatwright, a couple of their bigs had good games. And – and Washington's got Noah Dickerson, who's a 6'8 power forward, who was the reigning conference player of the week. I think he averaged 25 points a game last week against Arizona. So that's a tough matchup for them again. you know. And, and the interesting thing with Washington is they have a ton of veterans. You know, a lot of times when a new coach comes in, you, you kind of start a new. But he's got basically four returning starters added in a freshman who's their leading scorer. And like I say, I, I just think Dickerson's going to be a hard matchup. So I don't know what the uh, what the betting line would be. But but I, I, I think Oregon probably goes into that game at home as an underdog and you know, we've seen it at home. Oregon for a long time kind of ran the roost there, but you know they lost to Boise State, they lost to Utah, they lost to USC. That's three unranked teams they've lost to at home this year. So they haven't had quite the home court advantage they've had. So it certainly looks like it would be a big win if they can get it, but it's it's certainly not anything that you go in and think in their favor to this one. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, I know ESPN's matchup predictor isn't the most accurate thing in the world, but it has the Ducks with about a 75% chance of winning this game, and uh, the unofficial line right now is Oregon minus five. So, you know, uh, I go if you're listening, you know, go ahead and take it, take take a listen to Steve's yeah, comments there. Read between the lines. If you're in Vegas, I, I would say <laughs> that game's a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a pick 'em right now. If 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 Vegas is giving me points with either of those teams, I'd probably take it. I'm surprised it's five. That's that's definitely more than I would have thought. I mean, like I said, Washington's a, you know, they're just outside of the top 25. They're a they're a team that's coming off back-to-back wins over ranked teams. They've won some games on the road, so I, I'm surprised to see that. That might be going more on reputation, but uh, again, I, I'm I'm not a gambler, so I'm not going to jump on it. But I uh, <laughs> I might recommend if, if if some people out there are that that might not be a bad place to take some points. How do you think Vegas? kind of makes uh, or what Vegas would hypothetically make of this Oregon football recruiting class it stock up stock down was there value to it did it did it disappoint in any way what did you make of what Oregon did today well I think it's interesting because you know when they had their their spring game and they had a bunch of you know recruits signed in they were suddenly the number one team in the country in the recruiting race well they got a lot of early commitments now after Willie left a lot of them left and so now Oregon falls to you know 15, 16 if you believe those rankings, which which isn't far off from I think their best ever was 11. So it's not that far off. But today they lost a few people that they were in on. So I think there's kind of a, a feel like wow they were they were number one and they fell to 15. And they get some people today, but so so I I think it came in about exactly what you'd expect an Oregon class to be. I, I don't think it should be a big disappointment in that way, but I just think kind of the way it materialized, going from early being really high and then losing some guys and then today not getting some guys that. I think the way it's trending to people is it looks like it was a little bit more disappointing because they were expecting this top one, top five class. Didn't end up being that, but 
you know, I mean, when you take a team that's had, you know, I think they went seven and six this year, four and eight last year. They've had three coaches in the last three years. I think if you had been told that a couple of years ago, you said you'd take a 15 recruiting class. But just the way it worked out, it wasn't quite the finish people wanted. It's good to talk to you again, Steve. Thanks for joining us here on the Quack Attack and bringing the uh, Duck Basketball Insights. Encourage everyone to go check out uh, Steve's piece uh, when he talked with Jordan Bell over the weekend. Really good stuff there. And uh, Steve will continue to follow your work, and I'll uh, hope to see you down at Matthew Knight again once or twice before the season's out. Sounds good, Judah. I appreciate it.